Welcome to Creating a Buzz About Health podcast with Paula Carnell. Today, I'm going to talk about the humble worker bee. So inside a colony, we've got the queen, we've got between 49,000 and 69,000 female worker bees. And then you just have a few hundred male bees, the drones. So the worker bees are clearly the majority of the colony. So they have a huge importance. And I'm going to share a little bit with you about their whole life cycle and their importance. So the bees start like all the bees as an egg, but the worker bees take 21 days from egg until they emerge. So they're in their larvae state inside the cells and they would have been fed royal jelly for the first three days of their lives. And then they would have been fed um, bee bread. And then as they grow up, nectar, pollen. And the bee bread is made where pollen is fermented. It's sort of stacked up in layers and the bees add enzymes and then that breaks it down and then it helps ferment it. So it makes it easier to digest. So the bees emerge and the first thing they do is clean their area around them. They clean their cell, they clean themselves. And then they're greeted by the other bees and there'll be a whole stream of jobs that the bees will go through. So worker bees live on average about six weeks and the first three weeks are inside the hive. So as they're developing, they're getting to understand the workings inside the hive. They'll be watching the bees coming in and doing the waggle dance to share where the nectar and pollen is. They'll be cleaning out cells for the queen to lay more eggs in. There'll be nurse bees. So they'll be feeding and nurturing the eggs and the larvae. Then there'll be general sort of undertaker bees. So as bees die in the hive and drop to the base, they're allowed to rot down a bit to make them a bit lighter. And then you have these undertaker bees who will pull out the dead bodies and deposit them outside the hive because the bees don't like, like to have too much debris inside the hive. So there's all these different roles. And then as they get older, they'll be going near the entrance of the hive. So you'll be on guard duty. So you'll be defending the hive from anything else that comes in. You could be creating wax. So if it's the time of year where they need more wax comb, the bees will be extruding little wax cells from their abdomen and they'll be festooning. So they all hold hands and make these chains and shapes as they build the wax comb to enable the queen to lay eggs and for the other bees to store the nectar and pollen in. So there's always a lot that they can be learning, lots of different skills. Then there could be exuding the royal jelly from their hypopharyngeal glands. There's all different phases through their lives where they'll be doing a few days doing this, few days doing that. And then they'll be doing the guard bee duties and then receiver bees. So when a bee has been and foraged and collected nectar, it comes back to the hive. And rather than having to go into the hive itself and, and extract the nectar and put it in, deposit it into a cell, it's greeted by a receiver bee. And her role is to exchange the nectar from one stomach to her own stomach. But they do this back and forth. This is called trophallaxis. So this is where the bees are thickening up the honey. They're reducing the water content of the nectar. So then it will turn into honey. This is the magic of bees. And then that receiver bee will scurry into the hive and she'll deposit that particular floral source into a specific area of the hive. 
And when you look at a beehive and particularly the honey frames, if you hold them up to the light, you'll see all different colors. And it's where the bees put different floral source honeys together. So they don't mix it all in. You won't have one cell with a bit of lavender and a bit of um, lime tree and a bit of bramble. They're not done like that. They literally have a little area where it's all one floral source. And this is for a very important reason. They're storing their honey so that through the winter months, the bees have got food. And that's why the honeybees are the only bees that make honey. All bees collect nectar and pollen, but only the honeybees turn the nectar into honey because it's only honeybees that actually have a colony that live through the winter months. And that's why they are evaporating this nectar to turn it into a, a much easier to preserve honey. So the bees, you know, within three weeks, then they've learned all the skills. They know what's happening inside a hive. They'll be um, helping with whatever needs doing, whether it's building wax, cleaning, feeding, nursing, guarding, um, defending. If you have any kind of predators, if you have a wasp comes in, then she might be in charge of dragging the wasp out. So they have all these. And then by the end of three weeks, her wing muscles are fully developed. And now is her time to leave the hive. And so to start with, her first time of leaving the hive, she'll be doing orientation flights. So if you watch a beehive on a summer's day, you'll see bees emerging and they just do these sort of figures of eight outside the hive. And the figures of eight get bigger and bigger. And then the bees are doing these big, large circuits around the hive. And what they're doing is they're getting orientation. They're getting to see where their hive is. They're looking at what plants are nearby. What kind of landmarks are the hedges? Are there walls? Are there buildings? And they'll gradually get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then they can start going on foraging flights. Then they can start going to collect the nectar or collect the pollen and bring it back to the hive. But it's so important that the bees know where their hive is. And they're not just using visual landmarks. They're also using the pull, the scent of the pheromones of the hive. So they know what their hive smells like. They know what their queen smells like because they've had three weeks inside there. They've absorbed all this information. But also there's the frequencies, there's the vibration of the hive. And we know that that extends for um, several meters around the hive. So the bees can pick that up. But a healthy bee can actually fly up to five miles to collect nectar. So it will go on a sort of five mile radius around the hive. So that's two and a half, three miles in any direction to collect nectar and pollen. So that's way beyond um, normal senses. You know, you wouldn't imagine that they would be able to smell the pheromones from that far away or hear the buzz or um, even see any of the landmarks. But actually, a bee has such a sensitive um, sense of smell, they can smell beeswax comb for up to three miles. This is an important bit of a fact to know, because if you ever have bees removed from your chimney or your roof, if all the wax was not removed, you are likely to have another swarm move in the next season because they can smell that wax. And if they can smell wax, they know that that has been or could well be a good place to build a hive, to build a colony. So the worker bee then, her last three weeks of her life, she's out foraging the nectar, foraging the pollen, and she will end her days 
exhausted, with tired wings, shredded from all the use that they've had. Now, in different parts of the world, the bees have adapted different wings to to cope with the different weather conditions. So when I was recently on Easter Island, we know that the bees there have thicker, heavier wings to cope with the strong winds. I also met in Turkey um, a Dr. Adam Toflowski from Poland, who measures the different segments of bees' wings, and he can determine the genetics of that bees, of those bees, where they've come from because of the different segments. So this is fascinating that just like humans will have slightly different facial features if we've come from different parts of the world or our genetics in different parts of the world, bees are the same, but just with the little segments of their wings. Now, the twist on this is that a really healthy colony of bees will spend the majority of its time resting. And this is another joy of having an observation hive is you can watch bees just literally doing nothing. They're just sat in the hive and they're doing nothing. And this is really important because it conserves their energy. If it's raining, they can't fly. They can't collect nectar and pollen. So why exhaust themselves doing jobs? This is their time for resting. Now, what is unfortunate is we do know that when bees have been exposed to a toxic environment, usually pesticides or insecticides that have been sprayed on crops around the hive, the bees then, it affects their nervous system and they're unable to rest. So the firing between their neurons just won't shut down. And there you'll find bees that are shaking, they're quivering, they might be um, sort of rocking outside the hive. And inside the hive, you'll just see this constant movement. And this is because they're unable to rest. Now, what happens then is because they're unable to rest, they actually speed up and they don't wait three weeks to leave the hive. They start doing chores inside the hive before they're ready. So it would be like instead of mothers nursing um, bees, you suddenly have um, or, or sort of more mature um, bees nursing other bees or, or nurturing them, you then get the equivalent of teenagers nursing the eggs or looking after them because they've not matured enough. And then they're flying before their wings are fully mature. So then they get exhausted, they get injured, and then they die. And because they're so weak and because they're not resting, just like us, if you went for a week without sleep, you would probably get quite sick. And bees are the same. Sleep and rest is when their bodies repair. This is why we really have to look at our environment, because the safe place for the bees is inside their hive. But if the hive is not secure, if it's not safe, if it's affected by chemicals, if it's affected by sound, by noise, by lack of insulation, the bees are unable to heal. They're unable to rest. So it's really important that we look at what is the environment for your bees. And if you're thinking about having bees, really think about your environment. Is it a safe place to bring bees in? Are there already bees living in your area? And do you just need to provide a home for them? If you want to know more about bees, about their life cycle, or about how to care for them, the winter months are the perfect time to do a course. Now, I have two courses um, about beekeeping. So I have a foundation course. So if you know nothing about bees, 
you can do my foundation course. And if you find then that, yes, you want to go on and keep bees or you want to learn more about beekeeping, then my full on kind of keeping course has four in-depth modules where we cover everything from what sort of hive, where to place the hive, all the management that you need to do throughout the year, plus how to treat diseases naturally. So you, I teach you all about the different chemical treatments. I teach you about the diseases so that you know how to observe them. And this is so important, especially if you're going to be a natural beekeeper. You need to know about the health and well-being of your bees. The moment you put them into a hive or a box, you are responsible for these beings. And it's important that you can keep them healthy not only for your own bees, but for all the wildlife and all the other bees around you. And then the final module is all about um, products from the hive. So how to extract honey, um, other products you can make. So about propolis, about beeswax and just all the different things you, you need to know. I have a WhatsApp group for my students, which is a brilliant place for us to share our learnings. And I do regular live Zoom meetings so that you can ask questions and you can share whatever you've learned about bees. So if you've ever thought about keeping bees or you've ever thought you want to change your practice or you just want to learn more or you want to be part of a really lovely community, then just go to my website and look at the courses. And for anyone who does the foundation course, you then have the cost of the foundation course is deducted from the full course so that you can then go on and do the full course um, with a bit of a saving. So thank you very much for listening. If you know anyone who is interested in bees and particularly the health and well-being of bees, please share. Make sure you follow this and message me if there's anything else you'd like me to talk about on my podcast. Thanks very much. Bye for now. I love that you've been listening to my podcast. Thank you so much. I am delighted to have the wonderful Bee Brook helping me with editing and um, producing this podcast. So if you've enjoyed it, do share it around and connect with me on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn and my website. So thank you very much and bye for now. You have to become yourself. Join us Open next time on heart. Creating a Buzz Open About Health heart. podcast with Paula Carnell. Buzz you later.